Well, hey, everybody. It's so good to be with you this Sunday. Happy Super Bowl. <laughs> are you all excited? Yes. Yes. I know, I know the Colts are not playing, but I think we can all celebrate America's holiday, don't you think? We could still, the food, the commercials, we can do all the things. We can have fun and celebrate this Sunday together. Well, I'm so happy to be with you, and I am here to tell you that I know that Jesus is real. And here's why I know this. It's because Steve Craig, my husband and I, we decided yesterday that we were gonna eat a plant-based diet for 30 days. Okay, now, <laughs> no, don't applaud. I'm like freaking out. Um, Steve spent two hours at the grocery store last night at Target, and they flip-flopped Target all over the place. And that is where everything good and holy is. Can I get an amen on that? And Steve comes back at 10 o'clock at night last night getting all this like plant-based food. Now, if you know me, you know I eat like an overgrown toddler. I'm not kidding. My diet is sugar, more sugar, a little bit of caffeine, and maybe some carbs. <laughs> I'm not, people around here think I'm crazy because I'm just like, oh, just go get me a piece of cake. I'll be good like all day. Sugar, sugar, sugar. I just live on it. So I'm freaking out. And how did this happen? Well, Steve and I were watching this Netflix documentary because not Netflix documentaries run the world. Am I right or am I wrong? <laughs> it's running my life. And we're watching this Netflix documentary about elite athletes. And Arnold Schwarzenegger gets on there and he's like, I eat a plant-based diet. It just fuels my brain and my muscles. And he's flipping cars and flipping barbells and all these things. And Steve and I are looking at each other like, I don't know, you think we could do this? And I'm like, ah. Man, when I was little, my uncle down in Georgia, he made me eat broccoli one night <laughs> at the dinner table. And I was crying, I was like dry heaving. I was like, oh, I can't do this. I ate it and I literally vomited all over the table. So you can pray for me. I'm standing here right now on beans, kashi cereal, and a little bit of almond milk. So I need your prayers. The funny thing is, is that we've done this before. About two years ago, um, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer, and it rocked our world. We had no idea this was coming. And so I'm going through chemo, my hair's out, I'm trying to do all the things, right? And so someone says, you gotta get the sugar out of your diet. I'm like, okay, they're like, sugar feeds cancer. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go vegan. Y'all, literally two days later, I ended up in the hospital. My body shut down. I literally think it was like, oh my gosh, you didn't get your sugar. You're gone. I ended up in the hospital on blood transfusions. It was scary. Like, I, Steve was like, I thought you were going to die. It was legit. And when people ask me, doing great, 15 months remission, can I get an amen? <laughs> 
And when people ask me, what's it like to go through cancer? What's it like to have chemotherapy running through your veins, taking you to the point of death, and then coming back again? I say, it's like going into a dark cave with no food or water, and you're foggy, and you're scared, and you're just trying to hold a brave face in there. And I swear, I have to be real with you. I am not the girl that I was two years ago. I'm slowly coming out of the cave and reclaiming this life, this life that Jesus gave me. And my family, who's gone through thick and thin with me, and I am blessed. I feel like Lazarus, y'all. You know Lazarus? He comes out. And I could swear, I feel like he's like this, like a mummy. And I feel like I'm still doing that. I'm still figuring out as the, all the strips are being torn away. I'm figuring out who is this girl? Who is Jesus transforming me into? And I'm surrendered. I'm emotional today. I haven't done this in a while. I haven't known my voice in a while. Like, who am I? The one thing that cancer has taught me is that my life, your life, was made for worship. Truly. This is hard for me. Some of you know, I was born and raised in New York, right outside of New York City. I'm a go, go, go girl. Get it done. No messing around, correct? I was raised by a single mom, and we were running on fumes all the time. Single moms, you know what I'm talking about. We were in survival. But there was no excuse. You got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know what I'm saying? My DNA is quick, quick, quick. But what I've realized is I don't want to be known as the get it done girl. When my funeral comes one day, and it will, and that's okay, and I want you all to celebrate. When my funeral comes, I want to be known for my worship. I want people to sing and dance because Jesus is alive. He was alive in me. He never gave up on me, and I'm with him forever. What I love about Jesus is that he makes things so clear. Like we're walking around like, I don't know, what do we think? What does God say about that? And then Jesus comes, and he doesn't just tell us but he shows us. And right here at John, in John chapter 4, verses 23, he goes straight to the heart. What is worship? He said, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now, right now. Don't wait. 
when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Y'all, will you pray with me? And we're going to dive right in. Here we go. Father God, I thank you so much that you made it so clear what worship is and that we were made for it. And Lord, I pray that you just reveal to us, meet us right where we are, hit the hard layers of our hearts where we're holding back and move us into a greater life because you gave it all so that we could have it. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, we're going to park in John chapter 4. This is a very, this, this particular encounter is very personal to me. It's the woman at the well. And I've always said, I wish I could preach on the woman at the well. Because here's the deal. I am the woman at the well. I was far off. I was lost. And then Jesus just, bam, met me. And slowly through my life, through the, my beautiful marriage, raising children, having a career, figuring all these things out, he just led me to him. And it's broken down the layers of my heart where at the core I know who I am. I'm his, and so are you. So check this out. We're in John chapter 4, and it says that Jesus goes through Samaria. Now, this is interesting. In fact, it says in, in verse 4, it says he had to go through Samaria. Listen, this is Jesus. He didn't have to do anything. You know, like who's telling him you have to go? Do you know who was telling him? God the Father. And he goes to Samaria. Now, this is interesting. He's coming from Judea, and he's traveling up to Galilee. Now, Jews and Samaritans, they hated each other. It was almost like what we, we would see with prejudice or racism today. They were like, oh, those Samaritans, they're less than me. Mm -mm. And you know what the crazy thing is? They all worship the same God. But the Jews did it a very particular way. And the Samaritans, because they got a little separated from the Jews, they did it a little different. Sounds like our world, doesn't it? And then we judge someone else when they're not doing it our way. Well, interesting, Jesus chooses to go through Samaria, but that usually didn't happen. People would travel two days around just to not go through Samaria. That's crazy. I'm not doing that. Y'all ever take a road trip with your kids? I mean, by hour two, I'm like doing what my mom Donna used to do, and I'm like, stop 
in the car. Like, I just, I wanted to stop. You know what I mean? It's crazy. I'm not traveling two extra days. I'm taking the airplane. You know what I'm saying? And it says that Jesus comes to Jacob's well. Now, this is significant. Jacob's well was the well built by Jacob all the way back in Abraham, when Abraham was promised by God, I will make you a great many nations. Jacob is Abraham's grandson. And this well, this is a point of connection, not separation. And so he plops himself, Jesus, right at the well, and he meets a woman there, and it's noontime. Now, that's a hot part of the day. Steve and I lived in Florida for 10 years. It is hot. Like, I'm not ever coming outside of the air conditioning. Hot. And you wonder why. And Jesus says to her, hey, will you give me a drink? Now, this is weird. She's a Samaritan. She's a woman. And if you knew anything about the culture back then, women were considered less than donkeys. And men never spoke to women, especially in public during this day. They were property to be told what to do. They didn't have a mind of their own. And he meets her there. The first thing that we notice about true worship is that, friends, it meets us where we are. Where are you right now? Are you tired? Are you scared? Are you sick? Are you going through some family stuff? Worship starts right there. Right there. Don't be afraid. He's coming to you. Well, the second thing that we see about how he's drawing her in is that we see the true worship, it goes deep. It goes deep. I want to read to you where this conversation goes. In verse 11, it says, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Are you greater than all the history of this well? Who do you think you are? I love her sass, by the way. I'm from New York. We have sass. I loved how Josh last week said, oh, I want to be kind like Kathy Craig. I'm like, you don't know me. Ask my kids. I can get a little bitey. <laughs> but she's got sass. She's got a voice. And she says, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank it from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water 
welling up to eternal life. And she says, sir, give me this water. Because we all want the instant gratification, right? Everything's so quick right now. Give it to me now. Give me that. That's what I want. I don't want to get thirsty. I don't want to have to keep coming here to the, to the well in the noon part of the day, sweating, alone, tired of this. And he told her, go call your husband. Come on back. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Friends, when I read that, I have to be honest with you. I don't think he is like condemning her. I don't think that's what's happening here when I read this. As a woman, as someone who has seen survival, I see it as just her sitting there and he's saying, I know. I know it's been hard. I know you felt alone. I know you've been surviving. And you've just fallen into the spinning out of just trying to make it from moment to moment. Y'all, that's us. It may not be five husbands, but maybe it's food. Maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's an obsession with sports. I don't know. But it's real. And she says, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And I want to stop there. Because he's talking about living water that doesn't come from the well that she's talking about. The well that she's sitting at is a cistern. Cisterns are shallow wells. They have to wait and catch all the rain, and they dry up, especially in the Middle East. The well that he's talking about goes deep. Like you gotta go through layers and layers of bedrock of the earth to reach this part that springs water and regenerates life. Do you want that water? Well, guess what? You're gonna have to go deep. Well, what does that mean? You're gonna have to face the hard stuff in your life. If you wanna be a true worshiper, you can't be shallow. 
You can't be on the jet ski going 80 miles an hour over the surface of the water. You gotta be a deep sea diver and find the treasure at the bottom of the sea. And that doesn't come easy. Hitting the bedrock might be you get a cancer diagnosis. Hitting the bedrock might be, I'm gonna kill my children, they're driving me crazy. Hitting the bedrock might be, I am depressed and I do not know what to do or why this is happening. And you gotta sit there and keep going. That's what true worshipers do because they know they have God the Father, almighty, all-powerful, to stand by our side and dig it out. Do you want to do that? I was made for it, and I know that you were too. But it's hard. It's real hard. I know. Sometimes it's counseling you got to do. Sometimes it's more Bible study because you don't even know the word. We're like, I don't like to read. I hear that all the time. I was an English teacher, by the way, back in the day. I do love to read. But the interesting thing is that when I was in high school, I actually cheated my way through high school English. Because back in the 80s and the 90s, you had the Cliffs Notes. You all know what I'm talking about? And so they'd be like, you should read A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. I'm like, OK, I ain't got time for that. So I would get the Cliffs Notes. And you would read it all. And then you would write your paper and take your quiz and be on your way. And then one day, this girl comes up to me. And she says, hey, I got this book. You should read it. Now, it wasn't the Bible, but that someone said, this might be cool for you to check out. And then all of a sudden, I'm reading this book, and I can't stop reading. And I know it was because of that that I actually read the Bible. Do you all want to know who runs the world? And it's not Beyonce, God bless her. <laughs> the people who run the world are people who read. Y'all, Bill Gates, this is legit. This, I found this out on Netflix. <laughs> Bill Gates reads one book a day. He's got a secretary, an assistant, who just has this like Land's End tote that she prepares for him with books for him to read throughout the week. And he just reads and reads and reads. He also takes a vacation once a year by himself. This is the dream in a cabin, <laughs> and he just reads for seven days. He just reads and reads. Bill Gates is running the world. Am I right or am I wrong? So when you're telling me, I ain't got time for my Bible, I'm telling you, think again. Think again. You can do this. It's the renewing of our minds, friends. The renewing of our minds, Romans 12, that says, keeps our faith going. You got to renew your mind 
by reading the living word is it going to take time mm -hmm. you can do it i got you i see maddie right there she's running a bible study y'all get on the byob bible i love that you called it that by the way true worship friends it moves it moves and here's where he takes her he takes her to a revelation and i'm coming back to it it says but the time is coming indeed it's here now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth and the father is looking for those who will worship him that way for god is spirit so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth William Temple, 19th century theologian, he said this. Check this out. This is huge. He said, worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It's the quickening of conscience by his holiness. It's the nourishment of the mind with his truth. The purifying of imagination by his beauty. The opening of the heart of his love the surrender of will to his purpose. And all of this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. Can I get an amen for that? It's your mind, it's your heart, it's your life. That is worship. When you are worshiping truly, Well, we were made for this. And then Jesus says this. I'm sorry, the woman says this. I know the Messiah is coming. She's looking for him, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Are we all looking for some clarity up in here? Who's confused? Who's feeling foggy? Who's not sure what the next step is going to be? He makes it clear. And he says this, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. I'm right here. That's huge. My friend Megan said to me the other day, she said, you know, here's what I hold on to, that the word is a lamp unto my feet. The word is a lamp unto my feet. When it's so crazy and so foggy and so scary that the living word, that Jesus is right there and I know what that next step is. That's all I got to know. That's it. Just take that one next step. True worship worships in spirit. Y'all, the... Our spirit, it is the best part about us, and you can't see it. Isn't that fun? It's the thing you can't see. It's a little mysterious, and it's eternal, and it's forever. If you look back at Genesis 2, 7, um, God talks about how he formed us, and he says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. We were made from dirt. And he says, he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. We are not alive without his breath. 
The very breath that we breathe is borrowed breath from God. That is worshiping in spirit, that the very breath that, that, that you are taking right now is because God gave that to you and that made you alive. We worship in spirit because we have his breath of life. And we worship in truth because God humbled himself so much that he became a human. Y'all, God, the creator of heavens and earth, he humbled himself to make himself human so he could look us right in the eyeball and say, you see me now? And you know who that was? Jesus. He reveals himself so clearly, and yet it feels like we can't see him. But in truth, we know that he's here. He paid the ransom for all that bedrock that we keep hitting. He paid the price for it so that we can keep going. And he willingly, he didn't have to, he had a choice. Love is always a choice. As an act of love, he took his own breath away on the cross so that we could have breath forever in heaven. He broke the bedrock of our grave, the things that make us feel dead. And he said, boop right up to heaven, and I made a place for you. I'm not afraid of dying. I said that to my kids and my husband. I was like, if I die, it's all good. Like, I know where I am. So y'all party when that happens. Seriously. I want a big cookie. I want... Food, because I love to eat, none of that plant-based stuff. Y'all go crazy that day. And, um, and I want you to dance, because I love to dance. Y'all saw me up here. I'm moving all the time. It's just who I am, okay? He says, I am he. I am the bread of life when you're hungry. I am the light of the world when it's dark. I am the door when you feel trapped and you don't know where to go. I am the good shepherd when you feel lost. I am the resurrection and the life when you think that you are so down there that there is no hope. I am the vine when you need to feel connection. I am the true and living way. That's who I am. We were made for this. Are you feeling this? This is the movement of spirit and truth because of Jesus. This is what we are called to right here, right now. The time has come. We can do this. But now you're asking me, that's a nice sermon, Kathy Craig. That's so sweet. You have a lot of energy. God bless you. How do we do this? I don't even know. Like, I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to, honestly, like, 
You know what the Craigs are going to do? We're going to argue about where we're going to go to lunch. That's what we do on Sundays after church. Um, how do I live a life of worship? It freaked me out when Josh said, hey, staff, guess what? We're going to, this, this year we're focusing on worship. And my soul went, yes. And then my mind went, ugh. Because my life is crazy. Is anyone else feeling that way? You feel crazy sometimes? Like I'm being pushed and pulled and the phone is going ding, 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 ding. Well, I'm just trying to like be with you. You know what I mean? You ever feel that way? Email, email. What are you doing? Like I just can't stop. Well, step number one is I know Josh gave this to you last week and I was pumped about this because I love structure. Structure is good. I'm a school teacher, y'all. And so the first thing that I want you to do is I want you to look at the spiritual goals that maybe you did, and there's some out there. And listen, you don't need this to do this, okay? You could just do it on a piece of paper. This is pretty, and Megan Mellinger did a beautiful job. She does a beautiful job of everything that she makes. Um, but you could do this on a piece of paper, okay? So Josh said, make three spiritual goals. Cool. But listen, you're not going to get anywhere with this if you don't eliminate the unnecessary. Do you hear what I'm saying? A lot of us, we have so much going on. And then we're like, make some spiritual goals. And I'm like, I can't. I can't. Because I got too much going on. Can I encourage you and invite you to do something? I'm for real here, because I'm like a real person living a real life here. Like, I'm in the thick of it with you, okay? For every goal that you make, will you do me a favor? Will you decide on something that you're going to give up in order to make room to actually engage with Jesus? Because you can't, you can't do it all. You are a limited creature. Do you know that? You are living on borrowed breath. We already talked about this. You need to eliminate the unnecessary, and you've got to give some stuff up. I don't know what that's going to be. Someone said, well, I'm going to wake up an hour earlier each morning. I was like, cool. That's awesome. What time are you going to bed? Well, I'm going to bed at like... One o'clock in the morning, I'm just going to burn the candle at both ends. I'm like, no, that's not life to the fullest, right? Did you know that Mother Teresa, yeah, she woke up at four o'clock in the morning, but it, it actually says that she went to bed at like seven o'clock at night. Y'all need some sleep. I love a good nap. I'm going to go home and take a nap after I argue with my kids and, and go to lunch. You need to eliminate the unnecessary. And I want you, I'm serious. I'm as serious as a heart attack about this. Please do not put more on your plate because you can't do it. My millennial friends out there, do you know what they call you now? Your generation is now called the burnout generation. I read it on BuzzFeed, so it's real. <laughs> you got so much going on. <laughs> you got to take some things out and make some room for Jesus. Second thing that I want you to do to live a life of true worship is I want you to feel, y'all, not numb, feel your pain. And don't run. 
Jesus didn't run. He took it to the cross. What do you think he'll do for you? Stop reacting. Feel it. Hold it. And then finally, I want you to move. Move in spirit and truth because you know that when Jesus comes right here, it's like nothing can stop you. You may be thinking to yourself right now, well, I got stuff going on. I got this one pulling me for this. I got bills to pay. I just feel like I can't do this. You have the power of the living God inside of you. You can come out of the grave with hands raised high and say, victory. Because Jesus paid the price for you and for me. He said, you are a conqueror. That's what worship is. It's response to that. That I have the power of the living God in me. Don't do another thing, friends. Listen to me. Do not do another thing without feeding your soul first. I'm giving you permission as your pastor to say no to some things so that you can feel the space of his spirit and then see where he's moving. That's freedom. That's what we were made for. That is a life of worship, and that's what I want all of us to be known for. Not our, got to get it done, got to get it done. You got this. You got this because he's got this, and he's got you. And that's what worship is. So I want you to pray with me, and then we're going to party like we're in heaven, okay? We're going to sing. We're going to dance. Don't hold back. And then I want you to move out of here because worship isn't just here. It's a life. So let's pray. And let's be moved by the Spirit right now. Lord Jesus, I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that you you met me and you met people here and people are even sitting here and they don't know you and they're like, me? But that you meet us where we are and you let us wrestle it out with you and you give us the courage to face the hard things in our lives so that our lives can be a deep well of your spirit and your life that is not just for now, it is eternal. We were made for that, Lord, and you came face to face to let us know it's not just about right now, it's forever. And with that power, you move us, Lord, to do amazing things in your name. We love you. 
and we give it all to you in worship. Amen.